Hi, hi, and you're very welcome to the Women's National League show. We just lost Aaron as he popped in there. Of course, my name is Brett Neerly, and you're very welcome to FinalWhistle.ie, the joys of being live on a broadcast. Aaron just dropped out there, but he is back with us now. Thank you. Thanks to the wonders of modern technology. Aaron, you seem like you'd abandoned us for a second, but you're here. You know what? I'm using the mobile phone today for something different, just use the work stuff, and I was like to myself, if I don't put this on airplane mode, somebody's gonna text or somebody's gonna ping or something. So I was like, I'll just put it on airplane mode really quickly. But I am back. I'm ready to rock for another another episode. And then you managed to disconnect yourself uh, in the process. Listen, it's been a uh, it's been a whirlwind week for a lot of the teams in the league. I know we we anticipated a big clash down in in Westford. We weren't disappointed with six goals to to look at some real big. Um, great finishes from some of the, the players on, on show in that game. Uh, some big talking points coming out of that as well, maybe in terms of discipline and in terms of, of where refereeing is in the league. We might touch on that later on, but let's just get stuck into that game because I think that for me was probably one of the, the best contests of the week. It was nip and tuck. Both teams had their opportunities. Both teams held the lead at different points in the game. A draw, probably not good enough for either manager though. No, especially what happened in the afternoon, which we'll speak about later on with Shelburne result. But to me, the biggest thing is here is, Brecky, is that P-Mount's character has been questioned in recent weeks. You know, and I think, to be fair to them, this week, last weekend is where they probably showed an awful lot of character. You know, they were, they had to fall back, they had to fight back, they had to show something maybe they haven't showed in a couple of weeks. James made a little bit of a change to the system as well. And the problem is, is and I think, they, I think they've realised where their vulnerabilities are at. There's no point in us continuing to, to highlight them. I think they know that now. But, you know, in, in terms of them, you could see even in the likes of the Wexford game, they nearly fancied themselves to, to go back to Piedmont of all and just be like, listen, if you're going to score with us, we'll, we'll back ourselves out and score you. You know, things they've been doing in previous years and stuff like that. To me, it was probably, it was one of the better games this season. You know, it was an open, it was an open and frantic, frantic affair at times. And I think if you're one of the lucky people who, who actually made the trip to Ferry Carrick Park on, on Saturday evening, you know, you had a, you had a, a great, a great, a great day out. LM Line nine, nine league goals already this season. You know, massive, massive tally considering the amount she scored. She scored last last season. Some probably, you know, looking at Saturday's one or two, one or two maybe people would think that was you know easily could have been defended and things could have been slightly different from them. But for from from a actual point of view. They haven't beaten Piedmont to Shelburne this year in the league. You know, this is the first draw they've got. They had a, a bad loss against Piedmont in PRL Park and then obviously they lost against Shelburne. So for Wexford, it's still one point out of the first three games against the sides who finished in the top two last year. And I think for Stephen Quinn, so they'd be massively disappointed with that. I do have a couple of, I do have something that I want to, I want to throw out there to you, Brefney, and I don't know how realistic it is. Are you going to get me in trouble here now, are you? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay, good. So, we don't know what the story is with Rihanna Jarrett. You know, we don't know whether she has the time left in England. She doesn't, whether she's going to come home. But if Wexford Youth could somehow convince her to come home, and surely, surely FAI could put her up in some development officer's job or something, because she's a wealth of knowledge in terms of coaching ability as well as playing. You know, if Wexford Youth could somehow convince the likes of someone like a Rihanna Jarrett to come home, I think it's probably the, the key cog that they're missing at the moment, someone to put the ball in the Someone, someone else barred the likes of Allen and Coyley, you know, the goals come up from midfield to put the ball in the net. Well, speaking of goals from Wexford, three of them at the weekend, Ellen, a good bit of hustle from her to create her own chance and find the ball in the back of the net for the, the first Wexford goal. But for me, the, the goal of the day was probably Kylie Murphy's effort uh, to put Wexford in the lead late on. Uh, some finish, some true ball through as well to find her in acres of space. She could pick her spot, put a pass in Avery Burke and go. 
Yeah, it was a lovely finish from Kylie Murphy. The, the thing about Kylie Murphy is she's one of these players that she's like a fine wine. She's getting older and older every year, but she's getting better and better every year. You know, she's just adding something extra to her game. You know, they moved her up top last year and she hasn't let them down. She's got goals. And she, you know, Saturday's, Saturday's an example of just the, the sheer quality that she does have. The one thing we will say, and it's probably something for a, a, a podcast a different day, is the fact she's never got an Ireland cap. The most disappointing thing for me, um, she's one of a few who 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 had never got that got that over at that line, but tons of ability, probably the heartbeat of Wexford youth, and you can see anytime she doesn't play, how much they miss her. Absolutely, no, and and there's plenty of players in that category as well who've been overlooked for international honours over the years. I've heard you mention her name specifically before, I think, on this show uh, not that long ago with the other host, uh, previous host on the, on the podcast. In, in terms of, I suppose. Uh, the disappointing thing for me was how the game ended. It was three all. Both teams, I think, kind of knew subconsciously that it wasn't quite what they had looked for that day. And there's been a disappointment on both sides. We saw a red card for Stephanie Roach for something. Obviously, she said to, uh, to it with an earshot of the referee, and the referee didn't like it, shorter the line. Um, but for me, the bigger, and I, I don't know what she said, so I, I can't comment on, on what was said, but there was a visible coming together between herself and Kylie Murphy just before that, where Stephanie looked like she had maybe a little tap on the ankle. She obviously retaliated verbally and saw red for that. Um, that's disappointing from, a, I suppose, a, a player point of view. But I think I think from a... Uh, things get said in the heat of the moment all the, all the time. Was there enough in there for a red card at that stage of the game in a game that was just petering out? Not for me. I think that's kind of a yellow card or, or a calm word in their ear and, and it goes away. For me, the horror one was a couple of minutes later. LMLI went in for a challenge with Neve Burke, and Neve Burke just got catapulted into the sky. How that wasn't a red card for me, I don't know. Ellen brings so much positivity to the to the game, to the league, into the club. It was just disappointing to see that player. I know she's competitive; she wants to win every ball, but it just seemed to go. I don't know how it was a yellow card she got, and for the situation where Neve Burke to get a yellow card for her reaction to it as well. It just seemed a bit crazy at the end. For me, sometimes we see, you know, even with the likes of Neve Burke's reaction, sometimes we see we see officials just sort of saying in the end, "It's not giving give you a yellow as well." That'll sort of that'll kick that'll kill it. But you're you're right. Sometimes we're seeing these sort of tackles. There was a couple last year where you know you're looking and you're sort of thinking, "Okay, you're 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 lucky here." Like even look at we'll talk about the Shelburne game. There was an opportunity. There was a chance where Kate Mooney was through on goal and. Only for the offside flag, it probably saved Shelburne a penalty and potentially the referee having to make a decision for a tackle from Jesse Stapleton. You know, and to me, it's it's tough when it comes to officiating because I've had a go with officials before. I've had a, you know I've had a pop at officials for for certain teams. Like, it's it's tough. The problem is a lot of these officials they referee the same sort of games over and over over and over, and you don't want to say that they've got. A bias, or they've got something against it, because that wouldn't be fair. But maybe there's a subconscious, unconscious bias, you know, where sometimes decisions go. Then they know what players would get, would say, give the blip, or what players would say something. But like the interesting thing on refereeing for me is, it's like sometimes you see referees coming up, and maybe they're on the League of Ireland panel. They're doing a League of Ireland game one week, and then they're doing the National League game the next week. I, I don't mind that. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, sometimes you get maybe a junior referee will pop up out of nowhere you've never seen before. You know, I'd be interested to maybe you know talk to one of the match the match referee observers and, and be you know see what they what they look for when they're looking at these sort of games 
because the biggest thing is social media social media is a, is a joint everybody talks about referee decisions and what happens it's always they to talk about it and like the one i can't get my head the one it's not necessarily a referee she's not refereeing as such as much but i can't get my head around the fact that michelle o'neill referee is, is a lions woman in champions league games and stuff like that but yes yeah, she only seems to do the, do the do the lions woman for the women's national league like there's the away for qualified referee fifa qualified referee done world cups yeah she's only on the line you know i've seen times where she's been brought up to dublin and for a game where you could easily have dublin referees and sometimes i just think the referee and it's it's a little bit of a you know who's who's club and sometimes they get the big decisions right sometimes they don't but in terms of in terms of the weekend you know steph steph's red card could come back to, to bite him out considering it's now going to be potentially a three-game ban and you know missing missing big games well, well, that's the thing for me is that you have two similar situations. One is a physical uh, in, in, in entanglement, one is a verbal entanglement. One could put somebody in a hospital, one might hurt somebody's feelings. And I'm not saying it's it's one, it's one either is, is worse or, or less bad than the other, but ultimately one player is going to face potential, he's going to get a definite suspension for at least one game, possibly two or three, and the other is available for selection next week. And, and I just don't think it's fair. And my concern would be, and I'm not saying this, this is nothing to do with any specific referee or any specific incident really in the league. I was in the showgrounds on Saturday and I watched um, a linesman give virtually every single offside decision that was even close to borderline towards Sligo Rovers in the first half and against Cork in the second half. And the worst thing is, I'm not going to name the, the linesman, but every single person who's been to a game in the showgrounds in the last couple of years knows exactly who I'm talking about because of that. And I guarantee you there's no there's no Sligo Rovers fan who doesn't have a good idea of who I'm chatting about just by detailing that kind of an example. And I find that the Women's National League is almost disrespected a little bit by the FAI in terms of who the, who is appointed to these games. And like you said, with Michelle O'Neill on the line, it's like she's there to, to shepherd un, weaker referees into the system. And I don't think a national top-level league, league is the place for that. Put it in the under-17s, under-19s by all means, but the best referees available on the day should be refereeing those games. And and I know it's done to save money or save time or save costs, but we have to get away from this thing where it's someone from that town specifically is doing the line in a, a game. And it happens in every ground. It's not one incident or one one club. But like we need to raise the standard. And we can't expect the players to raise the standard if the refereeing doesn't match it. Like for me, the, like the simple to even things like, you know the way the FAI send out a... Premier Division and First Division referees list every week to the media to send out the fourth officials to send out everything. We don't even get simple things like that for the National League. I and mean, you, you, you sort of know by going to certain grounds, it's going to be a number of one or two people who are going to referee the game here. And, you know, whether they have a good or a bad game, it's sort of, it should always be a case that, like, you look at in the, in the Premier Division, Neil Doyle getting, say, Bowles Rovers. Neil Doyle then may do assistant referee in Sligo, in Sligo against Derry or first division you depend you know and it's it's a it's a case that you're not getting the same referee and I think you're right I just think for me I don't care if you're a female or you're male as long as you're the best person to do that job on that day on that day great we want to see that there and I think realistically you know like I've had many a conversations and I'm gonna name the referee because I've had conversations please don't, there again. Please don't, please not, don't. Not, not, not getting in trouble not getting in trouble any but like I've had many a conversations where, where I won't name her, I won't name her but I've had many conversations with it where, you know, I've asked, and how can we done this? How can we do this? Just for my own clarity, 
and she's just broke it down into segments. This is why I've done this. This is what I see. And you know, when when you see referees doing that, even when you're talking to the likes of ourselves after the games, and then they're doing it when they're talking to say players during the game. That's the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing for me is, is, is a referee should be communicating why they're making such decision to a player because then the player understands it. Whereas you see too many referees that just go away, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking, go away. And I think there needs to be that sort of communication between them because that's that's how you bridge the gap so players will understand why you've made that decision and then, you know, they'll accept it. I think in defence of referees, uh, to finish this segment, I'm going to move back to the football in a minute, but um, that's a two-way street. So if players are abusing you, you're far less likely to engage in a discussion with them. So maybe when they're used to a certain style of, of approach, they give a certain style of response, and that works on both sides. So Listen, if, they, listen if, if Stephanie swore the referee, maybe she deserved the red card. We don't know what was actually said, so we can't well, I, know, I, 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 I know she didn't swear at the referee. I know it was something directed at a player, and it was something that we all say in our daily thing, but the referee just didn't like it and sent her, sent her off. And so... I, I do know what it is. I'm just not going to repeat it. But it was, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you kind of feel like a, a word in the player's ear or maybe in both players' ears might have been a better solution than maybe a, a red card in that situation. Anyway, uh, the game itself, disappointing for both. Where do both go from, from here? Wexford and Premont, it's kind of their league challenge. Unless Shelburne make a huge boo-boo between now and the end of the season, it's very hard to see anyone else taking the title. I hate this. I hate. I hate to. I hate to say this because I was going to keep it later on in the podcast. But if Atlanta Town win against Wexford on Saturday, Atlanta Town go second. Yeah. You know, and that's the sort of thing we're looking at. But the, the thing for me is, in terms of the league table, is who do you see Shelburne? You know, realistically dropping points against in terms of because there's been times in recent weeks where they haven't been at their best. You know, we'll talk. We'll talk about yeah. in a minute, and they still get a result. So. Whereas Wexford and P-Mount sort of struggling where, you know, is it going to be, I hate that, you hate that I'd say that it could potentially be this, but is it going to be a case that Shelburne just continue to break, break that gap and make it bigger and bigger and P-Mount and Wexford potentially fall back into the into the cluster? Well, I'm glad you said fall back because for me, I don't think Shells are better than they were last year. In fact, I'd argue no. they're probably a lower level than they were performing at. They were very impressive in the first half of last season. And for me, I just think that the, play, the teams that were around them, when I spoke about Wexford at the start of the year, um, and they've dropped a little bit. They've dropped a little bit back. PMAT have dropped a little bit back. They've lost players to, to various different codes, different um, leagues, the, the WSL and, and even other teams within the league. And, and But I think Athlone are Athlone better than they were last year? Maybe a touch, but they're not substantially better than they were last year. And yet, as you said, they could be second in the table in a couple of days' time. So I think it's very much a case of the standard across the board has dropped a little. And I think I'd probably get myself in a world of pain for saying that, but I think ultimately that's where we are, is that clubs need to look at themselves and look at, are they doing everything they can do? We saw some talk coming out of Cork earlier this season about not having training grounds. That's not good enough at this level. People need to be setting the bar at where the men are or higher. So if, if the men have X facilities available, then the, the women's side of the house need to make sure that they have their house in order. Sometimes that's not possible in certain circumstances with clubs. I know there's politics involved in terms of who gets access to what, but so you see the clubs who have pushed the women to an equal footing are the clubs that are performing. And the three clubs that I can see looking in from the outside, um, Treaty is a different case, we'll talk about them in a second, but Shells, Sligo Rovers and Athlone are the three who are arguably Shells top of the league by a 
a landslide at the moment, Athlone and Sligo outperforming all expectations pre-season. Are they the ones that get traded 50-50 by the clubs? Yeah, they are. And for me, that's kind of the ones where clubs that are, want to take this seriously, women's football, need to really invest the time, invest the energy, invest the attention, uh, but also some of the financial resources. You don't need to pay players. The girls aren't really even looking for that. Some are, yes, but I think the vast majority, they just want to feel like they've got the same pitch, the same dressing room, the same gear, the same footballs, the same respect, the same social media coverage. Um, and I don't think, I think that clubs are falling short on that. Can I ask a question to you on that, Bethany? It's just, it's just based around Shelburne. Um, so we look at Shelburne at the moment. Sersha Newland is due to go to Durham in the summer. Jess Zoo is due to go as well. Could, uh, could potentially be one or two. I know there's talk that Gloria Douglas is only there for the summer. So like for, the, for them, while they're setting the pace now, they're going to could potentially lose three, four players in the summer, which then brings it brings it back to them. So, for the when we're talking about the likes of Piedmont, is it fair to say that the likes of Piedmont and Wexford, they just need to get to that summer break to where they can reassess to what, to how far the damage is? Because if Shells lose the likes of Jess Sue, Sersha, because Sersha scored goals for fun the last couple of weeks, you know it really brings them back even closer to the pack. Yeah, but I, I don't think I don't think Shells have a problem. Their squad is just strong enough at the moment. I don't think the others have to strengthen depth past the eleven on the pitch or past maybe twelve or thirteen. I think Shells have a solid 16, 17, 18, and I, I think they'll make it through, save a couple of suspensions or uh, injuries later on. But like, who knows? I think that's why Piedmont have dropped off. Is that in the last twelve to eighteen months they've probably lost four or five first team regulars. And uh, no team can afford to lose that. The biggest thing, and we'll talk about it, not today, but we'll talk about some other round, is that the fact that they've got zero euros compensation for developing all of these players and getting them to the professional game. And I think that's something FIFA, UEFA, the FAI, and the clubs are going to have to talk about doing. Is it time we move to semi-pro just to tie girls into part-time contracts so there's some level of compensation? I think possibly. Does that have a knock-on effect with compensation to the junior game? Girls coming up from all over the country and joining the likes of Shells or Piedmont at 16, 17, 18, maybe. And can clubs afford that? Probably not. So it's all a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Who's going to give in first? Can we get some of the money that's in the WSL heading towards our clubs that we can regrow these players? Because we can. We have the talent coming through. You only have to look at the 17s, 19s leagues and the players coming through in the last couple of years, the likes of Abby Larkin, the likes of Jess Zoo, the likes of um, Emily Corbett, uh, Jess, Jess Slattery. Like, these players are coming through all over the place. But it's, uh, it is what it is. Anyway, we're getting distracted. Let's get on with the actual sport over the weekend. And, of course, plenty of games. Let's move west to Athlone girls, more or less. Uh, Sinead Taylor and uh, Chloe Singleton, midway between Dublin and Galway. And they split the fair between them on Saturday afternoon. Galway won, Bowes won, both of the girls on the scoreline. Uh, they'll be quite happy with uh, with that, but as it is at the moment, neither team again quite happy with it. There's very little to separate those two sides in the middle of the table. I had a chat with uh, I had a chat with someone in the Bowes camp actually on Saturday after the game. I just sent a text message off saying we're happy with the result, and they were like, "Yeah, Galway a good side." Like you only have to look the fact that Galway the one trader trader previous four games before they went into that game with with Bowes and they beat Bowes three 0 when the sides played in in Daly only a couple of weeks previously. So for Bowers to go away from home, especially with that sort of results, with that sort of game, is a good result. And thankfully, Kira Mar's injury didn't seem too bad. She was able to play. But then you look at you look at the potential, this potential that they could have the likes of Chloe Darby, even Katie Bird is back at the weekend. So that's two more injuries coming off the injury bed, and you know that'll help them as well even more. 
But I think for them, they'd, be, they'd have been very happy going down there getting a point. It's a good reaction to the to the Shelburne loss. Shanae Taylor, she's been a little bit frustrated at times in games. You can see it where she, she hasn't had the success she maybe wanted. But the one thing I did say about her when she joined Bowes is she's somebody who knows where the net is. And that's something that's big for them. And yeah. Chloe, Chloe Singleton on the other side, though, for Galway, as you say on the score, she, you know, she, she's, she's somebody who... Probably still runs a little bit, a little bit under the radar. You know, she's had some some good some good impacts on, on certain certain times, but probably doesn't get the full credit maybe that she she should get. She she's a, a smashing young a smashing young footballer. Absolutely, and I think for me, look at the game in Schnitt Taylor in particular. She's lost that yard of speed. Um, she's not the most mobile of forwards, so to see her uh, through ball and running in behind the defender and sticking the ball in the back of the net, it wasn't something in the in the last. 12 yards of the field. She just took it really, really well. And I was delighted to see that for her. Uh, really, really uh, nice way to, to open your account on the day. Of course, Chloe Singleton then wrapped it up a uh, draw before halftime and no real major uh, events happened in the second half. But Galway, um, in terms of, of what they're offering this year, they've been hot and cold. They've been really good some weeks and then other weeks just maybe not quite at the races. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 fair, it's a fair point. I think realistically, you look at them. We probably all had very high expectations, as considering what the under 19s have done in previous seasons, and then what they've done against Piedmont on the last day of the season. I remember actually talking to Joey Malone after before the cup final, and he was telling me he was speaking to Stephen Lally, and like the under 19s that time when they beat Piedmont had a cup final the next day, but he still put out the players in the in the league to respect the national league, and you know they just have that thing about them that they're going to click at some stage. They're probably missing one or two players just from being you know, real, real up there. But they're developing players at a massive rate in knots. You know, they're getting these good youngsters coming through. The problem is, is with the National League, is it's trying to blend these younger players in now, you know, because as things are getting more competitive, it's tougher to bring some of the younger players in. Maybe they have to wait an extra year to maybe where they would have had to do a couple of years ago because you already have some of the players. Like, you know, you've already got your players, Canadians, your Sean O'Brennan's. They were about only what I think 18, 18 each, just going 19, if, if even, you know. So you have them sort of players in there. And it's hard to just try to put too much youth. I think, in terms of a goal, if a focus, they're probably going to have to focus on youth for the next couple of years. But the good thing is, when there's a good core nucleus there, it definitely helps to help with the growth. Yeah, they all grow together. So in three or four years' time, you have a, a really good, solid, older squad in terms of the game shells big win against dlr it almost seemed at times like they wanted to just walk the ball into the back of the net i think all their goals came from inside the six yard box uh tap-ins purely because of the quality of the build-up play but shells just seemed like they were toying with dlr at times uh, does that kind of reinforce how big that gap is between that say first and maybe fourth fifth spot for me like when i when i walked into the park on saturday and i was talking to people the first thing i said to a couple of people is that you know, maybe Shells want to give them a hiding for the fact that the loss, it's the only loss the Shells have had. Sloppy a bit in the first half. Like, you look at the first goal, the Sersha Newman goal, it came from a mistake where Jess Gargan tried, Jess Gleason tried to clear the ball, but she just kicked it up in the air, and then it was, you know, it was a tap in there from there. But for me, I think Noel Murray's got a run for the third goal, um, where she runs down the sideline and down the byline, and she just cuts past a couple before before putting it across to Jess. So I think even Dan is a little bit unlucky. If I'm looking at that game, to be honest with you, Bethany, I'm probably going to have to say that bringing on Abby Larkin at halftime was was the moment for, for Noel King because she was sensational in the second half, got involved early, even when she was shooting from distance, maybe it wasn't hit, it wasn't 
as good as a shot as she wanted. No, I was constantly encouraging her, constantly telling her, listen, come on, you know, keep going, keep going. And I think for me, I would have said she was probably the player of the match, considering she only played 45 minutes, but she was that electric, that spark that they needed to help unlock the, the, a stubborn DLO Waves defence. But don't get me wrong, DLO Waves had chances, you know, first half game, only first, a good save from from uh, Amanda Budden. But for the Shells defence, it's, it's one goal now in 11 games. And, you know, I think that's probably what's, what's doing it for them. They're not necessarily the top scorers in the league, but defensive-wise, they're not conceding and they're, you know, they're putting other teams under pressure and that's where they're maybe making them cave. Just to clarify, before we get any emails in or tweets, one goal conceded in 11 games. Seriously impressive defence from Shells this year. Uh, second last game of the weekend, it was, of course, uh, Treaty and Athlone. I think based on form, we all kind of knew how this was going to go, but uh, another fine performance, two penalties from Emily Corbett and uh, just a really, really solid performance from um, Matt Lone, Myrne Devaney maybe a little bit lucky with her effort from distance, just kind of creeping into the bottom corner. But at Lone, six win, six wins on the bounce uh, sounds impressive. But I suppose have they been lucky and maybe how those fixtures have fallen a little bit? I can't believe you didn't even mention the fact that uh, Jessica Hennessy's goal. I think that was the pick of the goals for me. It, it, it was it was a cracking goal, but I suppose just I was picking. I know I'm from, I'm from Leitrim. We don't have that many uh, wins. Myrne Devaney scores a goal in the women's national league. I'm going to talk about it. Like, you know, the funny thing is, though, I actually, just before I give you my comment on that, I actually thought that Sligo would have made a, a massive play for Marin Devaney because, obviously... She was, signed, she was signed before Sligo even got into the league, as was Roshi Malloy, to be fair. Um, so so watch, this, watch this space of Sligo making aggress- aggressive play. But in fact, is, is it fair to say fixtures have fallen at Lone's way? Maybe a little bit, but then again, you have to look at the fact that they beat P-Mount. Like, the, the biggest thing for me is when... When everybody asks, you know, you talk about Athlone beating Piedmont, a lot of people, the first question I got off people was, was it on the Astro and Athlone? You know, because people are thinking, is that a little bit of a lever? But, you know, then you look at it's on, it's, it's on the road in Piedmont. I think, you know, Treaty, as we said, it's going to be a tough season for them. You know, a lot of younger players there. But even for them just to get on the score sheet, you know, it's, for them it's a constant build and block, you know, they're still getting some good results underage as well, which helps, but for them it's going to be a long season. In terms of Athlone, you know, I think they just deserve their, their form because, you know, they've, they haven't, some of the games they haven't just gone and struggled over the line as well, which is which is the important thing, you know, they've, they've put in some very good displays and looked as though they could do more damage to people and, you know, it's, it's great to see, I think, for me, and I said this, but I said this last season. I think for the likes of the national league to be to be really, really good, we need a strong Midlands. We need a, a strong Dundalk level. We need someone that, a strong core carry area. You know, we need we need strong teams outside the capital instead of everything just being Dublin, Dublin, Dublin based. Because if it's everything's going to be Dublin based, you might as well just pack it up and say, listen, let's just have another Dublin women's soccer league because that's not what we want. We want a strong round the country. We want everybody to be able to. You know, I want to be able to turn on the tele- or turn on the game and be like, I don't know who's going to win here. And I think that's important for the growth of the Women's National League that we continue to see the likes of that alone make strides. I know there is talk, I was going to say save it for later, but I might as well say it now, but there's talk that um, with, with a Sligo, Shamrock Rovers, sorry, announcing Jason Carey as their Women's Director of Football. Their intention is to apply for a Women's National League licence for 2023. They've, they've publicly stated that over the weekend as well. So, you know, the league is probably, we need to be careful the league doesn't become too Dublin dominant in terms of teams. Um, 
you know, I, I'm sort of, I'm sort of hoping that if if they if they are to allow us, us, us Shamrock Rovers in, that we maybe get another country team as well, just to add, to add a bit of the balance. But in terms yeah. of Athlone, no, everything's gone good there, and Tommy, you will be very happy. I meant just on the Shamrock Rovers thing. I I think uh, that gene pool, the, ge- the ge- geographical gene pool for Shamrock Rovers. I can't see Shamrock Rovers entering the league with the facilities and the and the profile they have, and it not damaging Piedmont in a major major way. And I think I would love to see a collaboration between those two clubs. Can I flip it? Go on. Can I flip it? Does it damage DLR as well? Because there's no other team in that. Because they're only literally twenty minutes from DLR. I think the profile of Shamrock Rovers at the moment, particularly with there in the men's game, will damage everybody in the Dublin area. I think shells will probably cope. But I think the others will all struggle. And, and I, I say that, apologies to everyone I get on with up there, but I think if you're realistic about what's going to happen over the next four to five years if Shamrock Rovers come in, with everything I talked about, facilities, the coaching staff that's there, just the, the talent, the coaching pool that's in that club, um, with really good experienced, international experienced coaches, um, and the facilities and the resources, the financial resources, uh, would put everything else to shame. And I think that's going to be a big thing. If Shamrock Rovers come in in a meaningful way, uh, I can see them being the dominant side in, in Dublin inside three seasons, if not sooner. Uh, but anyway, uh, we do have one other game to talk about before we finish up. And that, of course, is the meeting in the showgrounds. It's the game I was at between Sligo Rovers and Cork. Of course, well talked about in the first round of games when uh, Sligo Rovers secured their first goal and their first victory down in Turner's Cross. They proved on Saturday that it wasn't a flash in the pan. 2 0 winners. A fantastic goal from Emma Doherty in the first minute of the game. And then a late strike from that provider, uh, provider turned goal scorer, Gemma McGuinness, who of course was on the show with us last week. Um, we seem to have that little magic touch on the show this week, which I don't know, people don't, don't want to be the first to break the curse with no live guests. <laughs> we, we will be talking to uh, to both Steve Feeney and Jess Garrigan. Uh, not just Garrigan, some apologies. Jess um, Lawton, I think I've uh, put her name in wrong in, in the system, but um, now they're looking at it. Uh, but we would speak to her uh, af- after the game at the weekend. But first of all, your thoughts on that. We might spend a little bit of time on, on Sligo and Cork because they're both that same gene pool in the middle to lower reaches of the table. But Cork are probably where we would have expected Sligo to be and vice versa going into the season. Your thoughts on the game and, and where they both are this season? To be honest with you, I probably I'll, I'll go with the thoughts on the season first because I probably thought that I did think that Cork would struggle this year. You know, it's just been a tough couple of years. You know, the players that they have lost. You know, it's it's hard to make up for that. You can't continue to lose player after player after player going. You know, going either going abroad or then you lose Sersha to Sersha to, to Shelburne, Amanda Budden, obviously going back going to Galway and then making a move to Shelburne. So it's tough for them. You know, you you, you can only develop so many youngsters and. It's hard to continue to keep trying to blend them in. Ronan Collins, Paul Farrell, you know, they've all done massive work down there. And for them to for them to see players just leave the way they have, it sort of stems back into I think it's gonna to continue to happen in Cork until we have that conversation about what happens next with the league, how the league settles down in terms of potential semi pro and stuff like that. I think that's always gonna impact the likes of Cork. Because players are just attracted to that lifestyle, that opportunity to go abroad and say, I, I was a scholarship student in, in America, you know. They're not all, the, the problem is they're not all going for top, top colleges, which is which is the frustrating thing. It's not like going for junior colleges, but it's just a scholarship. It's just the opportunity. And that's what frustrates us. But in terms of in terms of Sligo, when I saw Sligo against Piedmont the opening day of the season, I sort of thought, okay, 
gonna be a little bit. It's gonna take a bit of time. It's gonna take some more working to get there. Starting against DLR waves on on LOITV, and I, I was thinking, okay, progress again. Then watch them live against Shelburne and Talca Park, and I was thinking, ooh, some things are impressing me here. You know, they were they were doing things that were sort of I wasn't expecting at that sort of stage from them, and I just think they've just continued to step on and continue to improve. The biggest thing you can see, and Gemma sort of told us last week, is there's a massive collective amongst them. You can see that from from the players and even watching them and, and things like that. So they're getting a good just reward for, for the team cohesion. I, I thought it'd be a bit tougher for them coming into the league. I thought they'd struggle a little bit more, but they haven't. And it's fair due to the coaching staff, the players, because they put in a lot of hard work. In terms of the game itself, Another good win for Sligo. My only question is, are they maybe a little bit reliant? This is the same question that would have been asked about Athlone. Are they a little bit more too reliant on Emma Doherty for the goals? You know, I, I think I think they might be. Uh, that's a question I put to Steve Feeney after the game on uh, Saturday. Let's hear what he had to say. Oh, if I could uh, operate my computer, pretty good. Let's hear what he had to say. Steve Finney, thoughts on today's game? Yeah, uh, a good game, good performance from us. Um, second half, real discipline, kind of defensive performance. Um, Cork are very good with the ball, like you know, and they knock it around really well and a good movement off the ball. So we knew it was going to be hard. Um, and down in Cork, actually, in the second game of the season or the third game of the season, they really moved it well against us and caused us a lot of problems. So we were aware of that, and I thought today we were a bit more defensively organised and made it harder for them, um, and they didn't create as many kind of clear cut chances as they would have done in Cork. Um, and we still had a threat then going forward and you know we probably started the game really well going forward and as the game went on and especially in the second half we, we probably played a little bit too deep but uh, we still had that threat going forward on the counter-attack and you know obviously that's where our second goal came from. You talked about the great start, not a bad way to start 30, 40 seconds yeah. in maybe, uh, great ball in from Gemma, finds ahead of Emma and just kind of back of the net without yeah. really doubt and up to your mind but fair that quality has that opportunity. That's it like you know Emma's I, I think that's her fourth or fifth already like you know for an 18 year old playing in the league for the first time like it's it shows you, you know, it speaks more than I can say about her. But um, even Gemma just coming inside that creativity and great ball into the box. And as you said, like a great start, like you know, that early in the game. And it just gave us that confidence and kind of something to build on and, and keep pushing forward. So Cork looked like they grew into it. Maybe in the early stages of the second half, they looked like they were probably going to be the more likely to score and, and to catch them on the break then at the end. Uh, maybe slightly against the run of play, but, but just to kind of seal that victory and, and reinforce the fact that the, the result in turn cost wasn't a fluke that you, you're. you're you're rightly where you are in the table. Yeah, yeah no, definitely Cork. Like you know, as I said, they're very good side there. Some lovely players. Like and they knocked around well, and they definitely, they definitely had the kind of share there in the second half um, of possession. Um, but uh, I suppose that was kind of us. We were kind of in compact and trying to be hard to play through. And when we won it, then we tried to break. Um, and obviously with the players we have up the pitch, like we have a lot of pace and a lot of uh, guile. Um, and thankfully, uh, with a few minutes to go, Gemma scored the second one just to make it that little bit easier. But saying that Cork kept going as well like you know they nearly scored at the very end you know to make it 2-1 so um, we're delighted to get three points and any point we get we're delighted with but uh, as you said like it, it, it kind of I suppose it gives us that confidence that you know they're, we're, we're, we're good enough to be picking up points in the league and challenging teams. We've had some of the girls from the club on the podcast over the, the last 10 or 11 weeks first time we've had a chance really to pick your brain what's your thoughts on the season so far you must be happy 12 points from 11 games You'd have taken that, I think, at the start of the season. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I suppose at the start, yeah, we would have snapped, you know, anyone's hand off for it. Um, and I suppose as it's gone on and we got the points, obviously against Cork and Treaty, we probably started to kind of push it a wee bit more and try and, you know, 
race expectations. Um, and then obviously we got the points for the female game. Um, but you know, our kind of challenge for the second round of games was to make sure that we were competitive in every game and that we weren't conceding like as soft goals as we did in the round one. And, uh, I think today kind of shows that you know the girls are, are definitely on for that challenge. Like and we have a track going forward, which is great. You know, we've, we've scored a few goals in the league, so I think week by week girls are becoming more confident and we're kind of I suppose finding our feet in the league. But we're under no illusions. You know, like if, it, if we don't turn up every week, you know, we could easily take a hiding. Like so. It's important that we make sure that every week we're ready to rock and you know we're giving a performance every week. How important is that clean sheet then? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, it was one of the targets or goals we set uh, for the second round of the games was to try and get our first clean sheet, like you know, and I think you could see there in the last kind of ten or fifteen minutes, you know, the girls getting blocking crosses and shots and stuff how much they really wanted it and um, especially mentioned Amy Manning goals like you know, eighteen and it's come in for Kristen obviously the last uh, few games since Kristen's injury. Um, and she, I thought she was just so comfortable, you know, coming for crosses and, you know, taking shots that were coming in at her cleanly and just gave us a kind of a confident base to, to have behind us there. I suppose finally then, you talked to a couple of young players. Uh, Pixie O'Hara has probably been my highlight of the league so far in terms of youngsters coming through and really impressing them going into the, the standard of the league. Um, how important is it to see youngsters like that from the area coming through and, and being part of a, a successful team? Yeah, it's, it's great to see, like, you know, and I, I suppose, like, from a local kind of point of view, it, it brings people to the games, obviously, because their family and friends are going to take an interest when they're doing well. But uh, Pixie's been excellent since she's come into the team. Well, she's been excellent since the start of the season, but since she's come into is the team. Is it Pixie or Kerry? Cause I, it's, it, Curry, Curry is her name, but she, she goes by yeah. Pixie. And when I asked her at the start of the year, she told me to call her Pixie. So, um, but yeah, no, like, we've a few, you know, girls coming through. Like, you know, Sarah Kernan came into the team there for a few weeks and done really well and has come on the last couple of games. Jessica Casey coming on there again is another under 70, like Pixie, you know, so came on right back, position she doesn't play, like, and, you know, look quite at home, done really well. So there's some really good young players coming through the club, and it's brilliant to see. Well done today. Thanks, Thanks. Uh, Of course, Steve Feeney there. We might just jump straight into uh, Jess Lawton's chat if you want, Darren. We can uh, come back and have a chat about the two and look, wrap yeah, up the yeah, fixture. Sounds good. sounds good. Bear with me again. The joys of live uh, broadcast here. We'll have a chat to, uh, to Jess here when I spoke to her after their defeat on Saturday afternoon in the showgrounds. Yes, uh, thoughts after this game? Ah, look, it was disappointing. I think uh, disappointing performance. We we expect to play better. I think we didn't uh, get down the ball and, and play the way that we can. Uh, look, it was a long trip, but we can't use that as an excuse either. Um, we need to do things better. Good performance last week, and it's, it's kind of back to the drawing board to make sure we get a good weekend and training. But we need to learn from this. Um, the girls have been have been great, to be fair. Um, and look, they go in and they're disappointed as as all of we are. But. Uh, there's a lot in them and we know what they can do so uh, onwards and upwards but uh, a lot of work to be done over the next couple of weeks. So in terms of your own role over the last 10 days it's changed dramatically and um, how, how much notice did you get about this? Were you aware this might happen or was it something that was kind of thrown at you the last minute? No it was kind of just, it was kind of just thrown at me and look that's, that's the world of football and I'm lucky enough to be around the club I know the girls and um, I know all the players inside out albeit in a different role but um yeah, no. Look, it was, it was it's one thing we have to look after the club and see see what's what's best going forward as well. So, I mean, until until such time as they find a full time manager, and that's that that's fine. That's that's what we'll do. And uh, look, we're not going to sit here and, and ex ex expect um to just go out and perform. We we will make changes over that time frame. Be it that they'll be in next week or, or or in a couple of weeks' time. We're not too sure yet, but it's all about making sure it's the right person. In terms of the game today, um, you've set the team up, you've given them instructions, and then 40 seconds in, you find yourself down to a pretty decent goal, to be fair. It's one of the ones that, best ones in the league so far this year in terms of the build-up. How do your 
how do you react to that? That's it. Like, look, it's a learning curve. You have to be able to react. That's football. It can happen at any stage. And, you know, everyone says you, you can see it early and that's the joys of the game. You can concede at any time. So it's all about resetting and restarting again. And to be fair, I think we we, 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 we refocused quite well um, and we did get back into the game. We didn't have clean enough passages of play. We needed to, to secure the ball a little bit more. But I actually thought our reaction to the goal going in, we didn't just drop our heads. We did try and get out again. Um, it's it's unfortunate when it's that early. It doesn't give you time to settle in. But that's the joys of it, as I say. Uh, I thought they, they, they reset quite well. I think would have been something maybe in the past that we wouldn't have reset from quite as, as quick. So, look, that that is a positive. Um, it was a good goal, as you said. Need to be a little bit more in tune with it. But... Um, no, overall, I, I think it was early on in the game. It, it hindered us, of course, but I thought we reset quite well after it. Very important moment, a couple of minutes later, and Rio Sullivan pulled off a fantastic save, I think, from Lauren Bowles. Yeah. Um, does that build that confidence? Of course, player with her experience coming back into the team, Zara Foley as well, coming back from the States, how much of an impact do, do, do they like a new signing? Yeah, no, look, they bring a lot of experience and a lot of leadership qualities with them as well. I mean, Maria was the, the captain before she left, so she's naturally going to have that leadership quality in her too. Um, I think it was a big save. It's a big moment as well in the game, um, especially when you can start getting them going again where you, you realise, look, we can we we have to defend here and we have to get get in shape and we still have brilliant moments in us so uh no i thought it was i think it was a, a big save and it allowed us to settle that a little bit more as well you have seemed to be having a bit of a love hate, hate relationship with the linesman on the far side uh some decisions i, I won't put, ask you to put yourself in trouble but there was definitely some question marks over a couple of decisions uh, in both halves um your thoughts on i suppose on, on on how you cope with that with those when those decisions don't go your way I look I think uh, that's for me to be concerned about not the players uh, you know that that's a big thing that's what I'll say to him I'll, I'll deal with the stuff off the pitch you don't need to worry about it too much um look that's the way that's the way football goes but you can't leave it to decisions either you need to make sure you're doing your job on the day as well um so yeah look decisions went against us but decisions go against every team at, at some stage or another you have to be able to deal with them and move forward in terms of where you go from here obviously you you kind of indicated maybe that you're are you interested in the in the full time job? Is that a thought, or is it something you're just a caretaker? Uh, no, here? I think no. I I, I think uh, that's something in the future. Um, not for me at the moment. Um, yeah, that's not to say. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's coming in, and it's, I can say that from the bottom of my heart. And but for the time that I'm here, I'll give it 110. percent Um, that's with any anything that I do, and we'll sort the problems that we can sort. We'll play good football. We'll get shape. We'll move the ball quickly, and we'll go in and work on everything that, uh, this week as well. But um. As, as regards the future, that's that's in that's in the club's hands <laughs> going forward. In the more immediate future, next week, obviously back in action again. What do you change going into next weekend? I think uh, a lot of a lot of things prep wise, we just need to make sure that we're we're on point for it. Um, I think another thing for us is just to make sure that we're looking after the ball that little bit more and having that confidence as well that when things go wrong, we have to get up and go again. And um, I think it was something we showed good good character in last week, so we do know that that it's in us. Um, but it's to get consistent across that, so it's probably consistency and performance that we need to start working on. Now, of course, Jess Lawton there uh, speaking to me after the game on Saturday afternoon in the showgrounds. Um, she was right on committal on whether she wanted the job or not. Aaron, your thoughts? I, I'm not sure the timing is right for her. Um, you know, she, she, she seemed to be working her way. She got the, you know, she I think she initially won the underage teams and then was given the second one in the court. I think she knows it's a big step. It's a big commitment and there's a lot in it for her. There's no doubt in my mind that we will potentially see Jess managing in the National League. I think she's a good coach. She's a good communicator. She, you know, and I, th I think we will see that. Whether it happens now or not, it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of questions there. But my only concern, though, for me is who, to bring, who do they bring in 
Sarah Healy, who's been involved with, with previous teams, has said she hasn't applied for it. You know, so who do they bring in? Who do they get in is the, is the question. There's not a lot of managers down that sort of area who potentially have the National League experience. Is it going to be a case? They're going to have to look at somebody who maybe hasn't hasn't been involved before. Do they potentially look at someone like a Frank Callagher, potentially going back for a second spell to try and stabilise things? A lot of questions have to be have to be answered. I saw the thought. I saw the thought. We might have got a little bit more of an insight from the club this week, but we haven't yet. And the problem is they're gonna. The problem is is that they have a couple of games left just before the international break. So maybe they won't make that decision until the break happens. Then they can properly reassess things. Where there's, I think there's no games for like for for, for I think it's three weeks. From the from the eleventh onwards, there's no games on till the fourth the fourth of July. So it gives them a lot of time then if they could just get justice to maybe stabilize the ship for the moment. But you can hear from her she wasn't happy with certain aspects of the performance last week. What did you make of the performance? Because obviously you were in the you were in the showgrounds. What did you make of the car performance? Honestly, and I'm not gonna win too many friends with this one either. I'm gonna alienate a lot of people this week. I thought there were two relatively poor sites. Um, there was a, a moment of magic in the first minute. Um, Gemma McGuinness made a bit of space for herself fantastic cross, pinpoint accurate Emma Doherty, what a finish um, Keeper could have done better uh, although Maria Sullivan definitely was probably Cork's best player on the day uh, but I think she'd be disappointed that she was caught cold so early on it was right down at her feet but it wasn't it wasn't in the corner um, in the middle of a game you'd expect to save that that early she just got caught cold and um, Sligo I won't take away from that, it was a good finish it was a great play they get themselves a really good start and, and Cork never really got back into it could have been two a few minutes later I think I said it was Lauren Bowles in the um in, in the conversation but I think it was, might have been Fiona Darty. I'm not sure who, who broke through but Maria Sullivan made two point blank saves in the game that kept her side in it and then at the very end it was a great piece of play um <clears throat> from I think Lauren Kelly just, just broke and um she put a ball in for McGuinness and McGuinness just latched onto it there was no need to ask her twice she just uh, so stroked it into the, the corner past uh, Sullivan, who'd come out of her box. If she'd saved it, it would have been a, a red card anyway. So she probably had the, the she's probably lucky she didn't make the save. But at the same time, Sligo, well worth the win. Um, but they're both probably in the position that they should be in, if that makes sense in terms of points in the league table at the moment. Sligo, marginally the better of the sides, definitely worth the win. Although saying that, Cork definitely had the, a couple of chances in that second half where they could have equalised. Had they done so, I wouldn't have said a draw was unfair either on either team, but Sligo just marginally the better side. Um, Cork, they have a lot of work to do. Um, they have a lot of players, like Eva Mangan is a very impressive player, and I, I really like the way she gets on the ball. She's looking for it all the time. Uh, Kelly Lee was all right in, in the middle alongside her. Becky Casson, of course, doesn't need any any discussion. She's she's obviously one of the top players in the league. Um, there was a few other players. Ara Foley, I thought, was very good on the right wing. She just... She um she really offered an outlet every time and Mangan used to get her head up and just get the ball out to Zara Foley and I thought they got a lot of joy down that right hand side. Very unlucky not to score once or twice from there as well. Um, but listen, I don't think Cork can have too many complaints. Uh, there was a few question marks over referee or linesman's decisions in the, in the second half. Um, I think the ones that they protested the most for were probably the ones that they genuinely weren't onside for. They had a couple earlier on. But the later ones, they were definitely uh, well offside. But uh, do you know what? The, it is what it is. Cork have never really managed to to put together a, a title winning or title competing side in 10, 12 years in the league. And really, they should be. A, a club the size of what they are 
with no club between Wexford, Athlone and, and Limerick, a population of maybe 700,000, 800,000 people in that population centre, um, they really should be offering more than they are at the moment. And I don't know what steps are required to make that happen. Maybe it's back to the idea of uh, of the prioritisation within the club and, and the politics within the club to see if, if that happens. But that's not a decision you're making. I'm the corner left off your breath and right. They're bringing through Eve Mangan, Laura Shawin, Lauren Igbaluda, who's, who's now gone to the States. The amount of players they brought through, Avon Manny, they've all come through, played, played underage for the, for the club and then come through and stuff. But they're not even winning at underage stuff. You know, that's the concerning thing is that at least we know with the likes of Galway. Galway are winning and competing at underage stuff. Shamrock Rovers have won an underage league with the likes of Jesse Stapleton a couple of years ago. But Cork haven't once are struggling to win silver at underage, which doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't bode well for the future. And I think the priorities definitely need to be, something needs to change in order well, for them to have a refocus. I don't necessarily believe winning a title at underage is the best priority for a club either. Uh, I'd be more in terms of player development and progressing players through. Like I was involved in the, in the early days in Sligo. We had a very solid side that represented most of North Connacht. And the seven or eight of those players, maybe nine or 10 of those players playing in the Women's National League this year. So out of a squad of 18 or 20 girls, there are 10 or 11 playing, actively playing week in, week out with four clubs in the league. Sligo, Galway, Athlone and Shells have a player who's she's only played a couple of minutes, but she has played a few minutes for Shells, Kate O'Dell. So there are players um, and clubs have other priorities other than winning a title. I would rather see uh, half a dozen players from a certain age group coming through and playing senior football than maybe winning a title at under 17, under 19. Uh, so I wouldn't put it all down to underage titles, but I do take, I do take your point. I get where you're coming from because it's just for me, you, you know, you look at you look at the underage structures when they're, when they're coming through, you see the, the likes of players, someone who I mentioned there, have come through and they look good in the National League. But, you know, sometimes if you don't have... It can also be a case when a club like that, if they don't bring a winning mentality, you know, they're not used to always winning and being successful. It can be hard as well to even sometimes change cultures and change things like that. Because the problem is, I think for Cork, and you rightly said it, for a long time, Cork were nearly, were nearly the whipping team, you know, one win in a year, two wins in, two wins in one season, where the Douglas Hall and Wilton divide, where the teams were in play, playing, but then the players were playing the National League. And I think, when Niall O'Regan come in and you know he, he steadied that ship, he got the Douglas Hall and the players back on side. We sort of thought we'd see a massive change in the garden cork, but it hasn't it hasn't come unfortunately. It's disappointing. Well, you know, hopefully the, the next uh, phase of the club, whether that's with Jess or with somebody else coming in in the next couple of weeks, um we'll see a upward trajectory on that. But I think it has to come from higher than whoever's in the manager's job. It has to be a want of the club. And if the club are fully behind it. Um, and I'm not saying I don't I have no information to say they're not, but if the club fully back it, I think there's huge potential in Cork. They're probably Cork and Trivia for me are the two that I, I would like to see pushing it on in the next couple of years. Let's take a look at the, the league tables, and then we'll have a look maybe at the fixtures going on. We are running out of time. We like to keep things under the hour here. Uh, but let's take a quick look at the uh, the league table at the moment. And as you can see, Shell's there, a comfortable seven-point lead at the top of the table, but there's a nice clump of teams there from Wexford on 23 points, right down to DLR in sixth, who really are putting their hands up to uh, to say, we're here, we're, uh, we're in the hunt for that second place position, at least at loan, of course, as you mentioned, uh, the surprise package to some extent in that group, but they are there by merit. And then the other t teams in the group, we talked about Sligo, Cork, Bowes in the middle of that mix, uh, while Treaty currently pointless 
in what has been a disappointing season for them. As we look our attention towards the statistics, the top scorers in the league at the moment, Emily Corbett, two from her at the weekend, sees her go to the top of the table, 10 goals in her 11 appearances. But I think I think eight of the top 10 were on the score sheet this week. Emily Corbett, Elle Malloy, on your moment, Kylie Murphy, Stephanie Roach was the only one not to score. She unfortunately saw red for her uh, since this week. Sinead Taylor, Saif Doyle and Emma Doherty all on the score sheet, I think, a couple more, just another level down, um, got their second or third goal of the season as well. And finally, if we take a look at the clean sheets, it's all about shells at the moment. Two, uh, eight clean sheets for Amanda Budden in her nine appearances. Amanda McQuillan, uh, she's played well, two and a half games as well, and she's kept clean sheets in all of those. Just one goal conceded so far, no doubt about who is top between the sticks this year. Eve Badana, Neve Coombs, Maeve Williams, and a couple of others on two or on three there, Abigail Ronayne uh, in there with three uh, clean sheets for her sake this year as well. So it's been a, a decent year for, for the goal scorers. We're seeing a lot more. We're not seeing in the early stages of the league, I suppose you'd be well familiar, Aaron, of seeing girls scoring 30, 40 goals uh, or 20, maybe high 20s in 15, 16 games. That we're seeing less and less of that. We're now seeing maybe a goal a game or a point eight of a goal a game, point nine of a goal a game uh, for the top strikers in the league it's it's becoming a bit more level yeah and it's becoming a bigger variety as well because you look at the last couple of years you wouldn't have seen the likes of an emily carver you'd have seen Anya gorman eleanor ryan doyle whoever was a shell one at the time you maybe be able to be leanne kieran as that say you know you'd always see a shell one player up there you'd see a wexford player when the likes of rihanna jarrah was there when claire Ryan was playing club you'd always see one of them but you'd never see the likes of an athlone player there you'd never see others and it's great to see the more, you know, it's great to see more getting getting an opportunity and more scoring goals because it makes it, it makes it more competitive if, if if teams are if other teams are scoring the goals. Because the years gone by, you may have looked at long, maybe scored, struggled to score against a P-Mount, struggled to score against a Wexford, struggled to score against Shells, may have got all their goals against the teams who were in and around them. Where now teams are actually scoring goals against these other sides. And I think I think this weekend's round of fixtures is some, you know, there's some absolute cracking ties where I think we could get some good goal scorers out of them this weekend. Funny you should say that. Let me just get it scrolling here one second. I hit the wrong option. But the um, <clears throat> funny you should say that because the fixtures this weekend, of course, uh, Galway make the journey to Belfield to play DLOR Waves. Uh, well, Treaty United and Sligo meet in the markets field. Cork City host Shells, both those games at 5 p.m. While Bows of Piment in a Dublin derby. And then West. Shell running Cork is actually at 12 o'clock. Okay, apologies. It's, it's been put. It's been brought forward at twelve o'clock. Um, as far as I know, due the shells wanting to get back from the Champions League final. Our our gremlins hadn't quite got the, the better of that one. But let's talk about that for a second. Uh, we, well, first of all, let's talk about the fixtures before we talk about the Champions League final. Um, the who do you think is the the tie round? What game will you be watching this weekend? I actually um I've other commitments on this weekend. Unfortunately, you will see me not. But I'll, I'll be catching up on them. The one I probably want to catch up on is two in particular. Dale and Galway is probably one for me. Just because they're so close, you know, there was not a lot between them when they played in in Amy DC Park as well. So that was the night Savannah McCarthy actually got McCarthy actually got injured. I think it finished I think it finished one off. And the other one that really intrigues me is probably Wexford at Lone. Because can the Wexford try and keep going? The only team to take points off at Lone away from home is Bowes, and it was there. And I wouldn't even call it a football match. It was to be honest with you, referee, if the referee had a self listen water polo. Yeah, but a water polo. We're not playing the pitch. Um, it got to the stage that I think we were ten minutes before kickoff, 
and the nets weren't even up. There was an issue with the nets and all. It got to the, you know, it got to that sort of stage that you're just like, I've just called it off. Let's go home. Let's rearrange this for another night. But the two sides tried their best on the night, but it's the only points that long have dropped away from home. So it makes it interesting with them going on the road. The fact that they've beaten Piedmont away, they were unlucky against Wexford at home. They were lucky against Piedmont at home. So that's the one for me, and I think. If you if you if I was to say to you at home might get a, might, might make a point out of Wexford, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it happens. But then again, I wouldn't be shocked if Wexford go out and put four past them. Yeah, anything can happen in certain uh, areas of the league at the moment. That's it from us for the week. Oh no, we were going to talk about the Champions League quickly, and we are running out of time. We've got two minutes on this. But talk to us about the fact that a game's moved, so players can watch the Champions League final at the weekend. But yet we had a nearly full set of fixtures last week, clashing with the Women's Champions League. Double standard in the league? Yeah, I don't like that. If you're gonna do it for one, you've got to do it for the other. You look at the, look how big the women's champions league has got right now. Look at you just have to look at the sides that were in it. It's it's massive these days. Barcelona and Pan and, and Leon, two absolute icons. And you'd like to see if they're gonna do it for one, they do it for do it for the other. I think we shouldn't be it's the same with Ireland games. Men's with men's Ireland games. No women's games should be should be anywhere near clashing for the likes of them as well. Same because we don't have the women's game. You, you, you don't have League of Ireland games. The odd time they can be fixed only when it when it's not possible to do anything else. So I just think you know I'd like to see if you're going to move any men's games to the Champions League, move the women's move the women's for the women's Champions League as well and show that show it the respect they deserve because we're going to have a team who's going to potentially try to qualify for that later on in the year and I think it deserves more than it got. Absolutely. Well, listen, that is it from, from us this week. I agree with you wholeheartedly on your sentiments about uh, showcasing the women's. It's it's the European, it's the blue ribbon of, of, of football in the in the continent. Uh, we should be encouraging every youngster to, to get out and watch that and including the players in the league who aspire to be at that level themselves. Uh, Aaron, as ever, it's been a pleasure chatting to you for the last hour or so. And I'm sure we'll be chatting to you over the next couple of days and back on the show again next week. Yeah, have a good one. Cheers.